I absolutely never ever aspire to be a head. Okay. Not for a second. Do <laughs> you want to be an actress? Oh really? Oh yes. Maybe I would have liked a better work-life work balance, balance in that sense, but I, I generally don't think it can be achieved with this job. This is everybody has the right to learn. What does that mean for me? That means I can't shout out or I can't bother the person next to me. For the parents as well. They love it, you know, yeah. and the nursery children go home and suddenly when they sneeze, they say, Alhamdulillah. The staff team. Yep. Fantastic with a capital F. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter what kind of head you are. You need a team. Mm. You know, you only want to say it's not about money, but money does, does Play matter. Plays a big role. It does matter. Uh, it's a privilege to be involved in it and that we have the opportunity because that is more than a job. Welcome to the Murabiyun Show, raising awareness of Islamic schools. What does a busy head teacher have for lunch? This busy head teacher has a very good deputy head teacher who makes sure I do <laughs> sit down and have lunch. <laughs> I Allah bless her. Um, and it's usually fruit, something sure. light. Okay. Uh, there is not time. It's not like a working lunch, let's say. Sure. We, we have a nibble. Okay. And we discuss things. So, and I always come in prepared with some fruit. And, okay. Uh, so you always have that with your deputy? Is that I do tend to have it with my deputy head, yes. Or sometimes when I go to the staff room, okay. chill there a little bit. Yeah. Um, have my coffee. Oh, good. Uh, and and then yes, that's that's what this busy head teacher has for lunch. I'm sure a lot of them might have said they have no lunch. Yeah, yeah. Some have said yes, that. Yes, some have said uh, that. Yes, I'll try but, to but something. Interesting enough, one head teacher that previously had told me that he has nothing and he knows who he is. Um, I spoke to him this morning and he said that he's uh, got into a better habit of eating lunch. Which made I'm, him reflect. Alhamdulillah, practice, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. So I'm looking forward to actually going and meeting him again. Maybe he'll buy me some lunch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a struggle to go and meet him because knowing that he doesn't have lunch. Uh, I'm only kidding, mashallah. He's very generous, alhamdulillah. Um, okay, alhamdulillah, that's good. I mean... We were just, before we got started, you were just talking about your routine. Um, mm -hmm. So what t what time does your day start? My time, I'm, I'm here, if I'm here at seven, it's mm. late. So let's oh, wow. I tend to be here a little bit before that if I can. Okay. And uh, we have the same routine here every, every day. We have a morning briefing, so you should get ready for this. So we have it ready in the weekend, and then I just throw in a, a few extra bits that might have come up throughout through the week. And my day ends around six o'clock or a bit later. So that's, uh, yeah. I usually open the school in the morning, basically. Okay. Come with my keys and open up. Does, does headship ever end during the holiday period? No. And I'd be very surprised if you found somebody who says yes. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because I think the workload is heavy. Mm. A, it's very different from teaching. Yeah, the paperwork is, is very heavy, and you have to make sure that you don't get sucked into it too much. Sure. And then not being ahead, who's just sat in the office, yeah, on her computer, just churning away. Um, as being in headship for a little while now, so I, I tend to have more time now, so I'll have a little walk around school. Yep. But no, it doesn't stop. I mean, as well, my admin staff they work in the holidays, and I tend to come in at least a couple of days with them as well. Okay. So. But the type of person I am, I'm very organized. I have to have everything ready well in advance. So it makes me more relaxed during the week when I've done some, you know, some things in the holidays, done something yeah. over the weekend. Then we're more chilled during the week. And then if often unexpected things tend yeah. to happen. And then I know it's not going to throw everything out because I've already sort of prepared for the main structure of the week. What do you tend to do to switch off? What's, what's the thing? What's your downtime? Uh, walk. I walk, need. mashallah. Yes, I like okay. to go for a walk and I like to read. Any uh, local walks that you'd recommend or any books you'd recommend? Uh, local walks, well, we tend to walk along the river. Okay. It's about an hour and a half and then we sit down somewhere and have a nice cup of coffee and then we walk back, spend a lot of time with the grandchildren. This is mashallah. a grandmother you're talking to. <laughs> it seems um, to be a regular theme now in Manchester. <laughs> it is, yes, yes. We, we have a grandma club. <laughs> I said, and it's getting more and more members. So I, I have applied for the secretary position, but I'm not sure I'm going to get it. But alhamdulillah, yes. Uh, and it's actually interesting. Um, I think at one time was disillusional and thought the parents were getting younger, but in fact I was getting older. <laughs> so I think we're at this point now where 
most of the parents in this school are probably the age of my children. Wow. So it gives you a different perspective, I think, in many ways. And it's quite, I like it. I like the way this is. It's become easier. No, it's good. And I think it's, I think it's yeah. really important that everybody does have something um, to do to switch off. Because mm-hmm. the demands mm-hmm. of the job are the, such that I guess you could sit there and your mm-hmm. thoughts are just taken over by tomorrow and next week and inset days. And I'm pretty sure this school, like many schools, is on a WhatsApp group. We do have a WhatsApp group. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure that that doesn't have an open or opening time or an ending time. Well, we do um, personally. As a head, yep. I, w- I won't put a message after a certain time because mm. if I do that as a head, then maybe people feel obliged to read it or to respond to it or to say something to yep. it. The WhatsApp group obviously came up in the, during the lockdown, in COVID. We didn't have one before. Um, so then it was a very good means of communication. So there's usually more than one WhatsApp. There's an official one and then there's maybe a teacher's one yeah, and sure. so on and so forth. But... I wouldn't put something on there, for example, and say, oh, we're going to do this on Monday, you know, the weekend. I'll say, well, clear, because I don't, it's not fair on the, on the staff, really. If any, anybody was going to buy you a gift, what would you want? Well, I've got two gifts here that I've been given. How much are they? One is over there, it's my little espresso cup. Oh, nice. Yes. Coffee that went with it. Uh, I love children's books. Oh. I also love puppets. There's one over there. Um, so, yeah, I'm fairly easy to buy gifts for, I think. What would be the worst gift somebody could buy for you? worst gift, some designer item, probably. Just with a big fat label yeah. on it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so if any of the staff are listening, you know what not to buy the head teacher. I'm sure they already thank know. Thank you, you've already bought me the coffee. Hint, <laughs> <laughs> hint. So yes. during lockdown, um, obviously everybody went into uh, realising the world of uh, working virtually, technology. technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, uh, is it Microsoft Teams, Zoom or Google Meets? Which one's your preference? Well, we have you heard of Class Dojo? Yep. Okay, so I have to say, alhamdulillah, we were actually quite well prepared uh, for the for the very first lockdown because I think Ireland went into lockdown first. So it's yeah. like, okay, let's get ready. We're going to be next. Okay. So we started actually off straight away, quite proudly, I'm saying this. Alhamdulillah. With uh, teachers uploading videos on Dojo, their own videos. Okay. And children did work on there. And then obviously, as we went on, the demand came from the parents as well to have live I mean, yeah. remote live lessons rather than uploading videos. So in the second part in September, we switched to that. And then we went with Zoom. Okay, you went with Zoom. Um, I know the, our sister schools, they went with Google Classroom. Okay. So we went with Zoom. And mashallah, I think the teachers really, mashallah, bless them, honestly, they became really experts in, uh, in that. And mashallah, even for year one, we had live, we had live interactive lessons. Brilliant. Now the listener won't know that there's a room right next to me and I would sit here in the office and I, the year one teacher would be next to okay. the room doing the lesson. Okay. And I had to go in to see if she's got any children there. That's how lively wow. you know, it came across. Mashallah. And I think the silver lining of it perhaps was that the parents got a better idea of what actually a teacher does. Yeah. And what's in a lesson? We were always joking. Said it's not just the, you know, yeah. the parents; it's the grandparents and the aunts and the cousins. We're all <laughs> watching the lesson at home. Um, so I think from that point of view, it uh, it worked. We we adapted, mashallah, and obviously we still kept some things. Like I think it's important. The old Zoom meeting, uh, like with SL. I think it's important to read um, to hold on to and to retain it because, you know, it. it, it they're useful tools. They they're useful communication tools more than anything as well. And I think, um, you know, we've got to adapt and be innovative um, and, and move with the time. So I think it's really important. Alhamdulillah. So let's get to know uh, the head teacher. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in head teacher? How long have you been the head teacher? The head teacher, this will be my second year as a okay. head. And prior to that, I was acting head for three years. Okay. Um, and that was sort of a joint venture with uh, our executive head. Yep. 
whom you would have met this morning. Mm. And so, yes, uh, I, I saw it as a three-year apprenticeship that I actually did under her wings. <laughs> and it was very effective. CPD. Good. I had a little joke with her. I said even sitting in the car with her, listening to her on the phone was a CPD <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so that was, and before that I was assistant head. And before assistant head, I was full-time class teacher. So, I mean, so you've been straight. in the Iran senior leadership for a while now. Yes. Yeah, I've been yeah, in the Iran yeah, senior leadership for a while. Well, what was the motivator? What um, for you to get into headship? What motivated you to get in? I absolutely never ever aspired to be a head. Okay. Not for a second. <laughs> okay, li literally did have no desire to. Firstly, I teaching came to me as well. It's not something I sought out. I sort of found, I think, I found myself in teaching and I absolutely loved it. Mm. Headship, I found something quite scary because I think the pure weight of responsibility, I thought this would be really, really difficult. You had to be responsible for the whole school and all the children and all the teachers and all the parents. Whereas if you just manage your own class, you're responsible for everything that happens in there. And if you messed up, you messed up and yep. you sort it out. Here, the box stops with, with me. You. Okay, and I think this, I found that really daunting. Um, so assistant head, when I was asked to do that, I thought this was my perfect role because I was out of the class in two days. I was teaching three days. But then I found actually that was very difficult to have the same dedication to the children. Yeah. And at the back of your head, your assistant head, and you're planning the next thing. So I thought, whatever it is you do. I almost felt guilty as a teacher because I didn't have, I wasn't solely preoccupied with the welfare of, of, of the class. Yeah. And I hope they didn't feel it, but I did. Uh, so actually the balancing act I found really difficult. And mashallah, hat off to my deputy head who's done it for years, deputy, you've been deputy and teaching year six. But for me, I found that really difficult mm. because the, he the head side of it does take over. Yeah. Because it becomes consuming. It has to, in a way. Um, so again, I think headship is maybe something like teaching. I, it's not something I sought out. It sort of found me, in a way. And then even when I, then I was acting head, I said, okay, just yeah. to support the school. I've been here for a long time. Somebody needed to step up and step in. Um, I said, fine, you know, mm. I can do this. But even I think after... Maybe one or two years of acting head, I said, I don't want to be head, just carry mm. on like this. <laughs> but then I think like in teaching, maybe there, there was one point then came out and said, okay, I think, inshallah, I'm probably ready for it. Yeah, but I still do miss teaching, I have to say, yeah. I, I think um, it'd be really unusual if you didn't. Yes. I think yeah. it'd be really unusual because, you know, at the heart and soul of uh, every school leader is a, is a fantastic teacher I imagine mm -hmm. and uh, I guess you know more often than not the reason why you probably end up in a headship position because you did a good job mashallah and if anything you have the ability to now share and translate that to other people so really really well done mashallah um, usually um, you know headship can be a lonely place you know, it's a commonly used phrase um, I mean how, who inspires you and keeps you motivated to do what you do? I wouldn't be a head teacher in any other school. Okay. So it's the very essence of this school and my history with it and see it grow. I was here from the beginning. So you've I, been I, here since? 1995. Wow. Mashallah. Uh, a long time. I had... Here it's in and out of the school, but I'm always joking. I said, you cannot leave here. It's a revolving door. You always come back. <laughs> you know what happens? I was away for three years uh, in the Emirates. Okay. Uh, worked in the school there. And still in the back up at prep. So um, and when anybody leaves, we always say, you'll be back. So, so I think I would not do this job anywhere else. Okay. I'm, uh, I really... After that connection with the school, I wanted to thrive. You, like all the other schools, we might have our ups and downs. I've been through most of them with the school. So I almost it's an opportunity to serve the community in a different way. Yeah. I think that's very much how I look at it. So it's not necessarily an individual, but it's actually the 
uh, the project and the ethos, the, of, the it, ethos the of, project of it. And of course, Masha, I've got really super SLT around me. Alhamdulillah. For, uh, deputy head teacher, and we've known each other. We, we knew each other through school, but we've known each other for a very long time now. Wow. And she's extremely supportive and caring. She's it's probably I like will make sure that you don't overdo it and you not look well, go home. So it's that kind of you know care that you Yeah, have. it's probably and like another a... SLT member as well that you met upstairs. She just yeah. joined this year. And then of course we've got Mrs. M. Mm. And she's I think the perfect mentor, mashallah. Bless Great. her. She's always at the end of her at the end of the phone because she Every head teacher should have somebody like her, really, because she, Masha, she's got so much experience. I think there isn't this situation she's not come across. Yeah. Whereas for me, I might face something. I think, oh my goodness, I don't know. Should I do this or that? A call. And she's like, oh, you know, she's always very calm. She's so generous as well, you know, with her with her advice. So I think that gives a bit of reassurance as well. So that, you know, you have that team and the staff. I mean, they're great, all of them. Alhamdulillah. So that leads me on quite nicely, actually, that when we talk about challenges. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, you've been a head teacher for a couple of years, but you were you were acting for several years and you've been in leadership for, for a number of years. Acting three years. Okay, acting three years, mm -hmm. mashallah. Um, what's, what's the single moment that comes to mind when you think about a real challenge during headship? Is there, is there a time where you thought, you know, that, that's a really difficult situation I had to deal with? There are. I mean, they... Does one in particular be, come to mind? Mm, no. no. Generally, it could be, you know, maybe a member of staff is unhappy with something or... Actually saying no is quite difficult for me. Um, to who? To, 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 the, to a member of staff, for example. They, I don't know, let's say somebody wants some time off, etc., being able to make sure that everybody's treated fairly because in your instinct you always want you want to please everybody or at least that's my instinct you want to please everyone you want everybody to be happy you don't want to upset anybody not that no not that you're not your staff not the children not the parents but again you had a phrase before i can't remember headship is a lonely place also no you can't please everybody so i think that probably was a bit of a challenge for me to be able to at times have to overrule somebody and say, well, so, you know, you can't, or, you know, I'm the one who's got, you know, who has the last word on it. Yep. Because I still think, well, I don't know, just like everybody else, but, yeah. Can you think of a highlight? A highlight. There's loads of highlights. But you're like every head teacher that says to me, there's loads of highlights. There's one, highlights. one, a highlight that really comes to mind that just kind of like there must be a time where you must have gone home and just reflected and sat back on or you're on your walks and you know a thought comes to mind and it see gives you that feeling yeah. of it was it was just it's been worth it yeah no no i did it is worth it absolutely i mean i think for me it's probably when you walk around school and you're in the classrooms and all the children know your name but they come and run up to you when you're outside. Mrs. Cavoy, I'm show you something. So I think it's those, it's those human interactions that, or you know, a parent comes and is happy about something, or yeah. you know, a member of staff. So I think it's 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 that aspect. Sure. Um, that that I find fulfilling. It's personal, you know, relationships uh, that you have with people, or you know, if you can support them or if you can inspire them, you know, if you have a new idea and can pull them on board with you. But I would say it's that, it's that kind of thing, yeah. If you'd like to find out more about what Murabiyun does, jump onto our website, murabiyun.com. Is there a particular moment with a student that comes to mind? As a head teacher? Yeah. Even before that, is there a particular moment with a student where you, it's just rememberable for you? Yeah, as a, te as a teacher, I have a... Do you want to share with us? <laughs> Oh, she must be in a university now, the young lady. She came to me, she, I was teaching it too, and she looked at me and she goes, Miss, what does it feel like to be old? <laughs> well. So I said, um, I said, and funny, it wasn't even that old then, not as old as I'm now. And then I said, oh, it's, you know, in a way it's the same, inside you feel the same, but you, you, know, you look at yourself, you know, you might have some gray hair, you might wrinkle. 
So she looked at me and I realized it's not the, it's not, she wasn't asking, I didn't give her the right answer. She was what she wanted to know. I said, okay, stay at lunchtime. We'll have a little chat. So I said, what, what exactly do you mean? What does it feel like? I said, you know, you know, when grown-ups, when they're sad, they don't tell you, they pretend they're not. So why, what does it feel like when you're old? Why can't you share that? And I've never forgotten it because some, I don't know, something must have happened at home. I don't know what, what, what brought her to this question. But I thought she was so, I don't know, such a mature little thing she was and so sensitive, mashallah. So that's something that stands out. Yeah. Wow, what a question to ask. It is, isn't it? <laughs> On I'm, year two, seven years old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Like I'm just really thinking about myself asking such a question if I, when I was in year two, um, the kind of thoughts I had. Um, but no, mashallah, really, really nice. I mean, you know, there's lots of challenges and there's lots of highlights, um, but there's some low points as well that you experience. Is there a particular low point that comes to mind? I think it, it can be the workload, which... The effect of this it has on your family. My children have grown up and they've blessed me with grandchildren for whom I definitely don't have as much time as I wish I'd have. So I think it's that sort of that you're mostly preoccupied with the job and you don't have that I don't have the same I don't have as much time to spend with them as I would wish to. Um but then at the same time, I noticed there's no resentfulness within the family. I think, you know, they, they see what I'm doing, they appreciate it. I think they feel a bit proud as well. So that's all right. But for myself, I would like, maybe I would have liked a better work-life work balance, balance in that sense. But I, I generally don't think it can be achieved with this job. So I think if you're not up for it, then you can't, I don't think you can be a head then, because you can't be a part-time head either. You have to be here. Yeah. So I think I went into it with my eyes open because I was acting head, yeah. so I knew what was coming, you know, but I think otherwise you possibly can feel, and of course, mashallah, my kids have grown up. Uh, I think that is, that is probably the hardest bit, I would say, I would think, yeah. It's really interesting because a lot of the time people don't realise the sacrifices that, people have to make as educators, mm. but in particular educators in Islamic schools, because again, a common running joke is when you get introduced to somebody, it's mm. never one job title. Oh yes, I know. It's always, <laughs> you know, and you're, and you're just waiting for it to stop <laughs> and you're just like, okay, you know, how many more things can this one person yes, do? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, mashallah, you know, some of the most dynamic people uh, that are out there are in our schools, you know, wearing mm. so many different hats and scarves and mashallah, <laughs> amazing. It mm. really is. And I think, you know, t it's a testament to all those people that are, are doing what they do and just keeping our schools going with all the skills that they have. And frankly, we probably overlook it. I, I tend to look at it as in most cases, the people who are doing what they do in Muslim schools as leaders, they probably don't even look at it as work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it becomes life. It yeah, becomes part of your purpose of life. And obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that there is a huge element or a part of an element in most people's cases that this is for a, a greater cause. And, and, there's, uh, and hence why it's not considered as work. So yes. no, no, you're right, and and I think not not just heads; it's also staff. Yeah, hundred percent. Because uh, I can really say every single member of that staff who works here, it is a job, but it's much more than a job for them. Certainly, Again, I've got sort of a mixed group of staff. I've got staff who came from the state system to work here. And you have, can see the difference. We've got staff who qualified here as teachers and stayed. Yeah. So you've got, they're coming from a different, real mix. so they have different backgrounds. But I think everybody, everybody's heart is in it. And you feel you're doing something for the community. I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's massive, I think, mashallah. Yeah. If you weren't leading the school as the head, 
which other job would you want in the school? In the school? Yeah. Well, there's only one job I've not done in the school, which is caretaker. Okay. So it probably might be not one thing. It's literally the only job I didn't do. <laughs> Just for the record. So if you, yes, I would go back to teaching. Go back to yeah. teaching. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that because, mashallah, you know, you have a real passion for, a sense for the classroom. And, and actually, alhamdulillah, I could I could see when just the little moments that we, we were walking around and the opportunities you got to interact with the kids, they seem very special to you. Mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Um, so if you weren't working in school and you weren't an educator, what do you think you'd be doing? If I hadn't gone into education? Yeah. Like I said, it sort of came to me. Well, I used to want to be an actress. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Mashallah. And all kinds of things, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, teaching is actually very, very close to it. Yep, that's what they say. <laughs> so, it was a good, you know, a good swap. Um, no, I, did, I didn't. Funny enough, there are teachers in my family. But it's not. It's not really a career that I had considered before. Sort of came because I, I speak a couple of languages when I obviously well, I wasn't born and bred in the UK so when I came that's where I started working sure. and then from that sort of slipped into teaching and then came Can, here in the 1990s to help them for six months <laughs> and uh, here you go. Can I ask how many languages different languages you speak? I used to speak Quite fluently, I don't speak. I don't even like to say because I'm not as fluent as I used to be. So it was my my mother tongue is Swiss German. Okay. And so by default, I speak German as well because that's the spoken language. Yeah. Then Italian, French, and English. Well, obviously English. I'm talking to you in English now. <laughs> so Alhamdulillah. Do you do you ever get the opportunity to share some of that with some of the students here? Oh yes, I, even I used to teach French actually. Oh, I was going to say yes. Oh, that actually is a highlight as well. The first French lesson you teach in a year one, <laughs> the children are just falling over themselves, laughing for the whole lesson <laughs> until until they get used to it. Uh, we have actually a French speaking little boy in reception. Oh wow! So he loves it. In him. he calls me the French teacher. The French teacher. <laughs> I speak to him in French in the morning. So yes, yeah, no, I, I had as well. We had um, many years ago. We had a a young boy. He was very interested in German. I don't know. His mom told me. So I bought him a couple of books, and I spent a few lunch times with him. We did a bit okay. of German, and he actually went on to. Do, he's doing German A levels now. Oh wow! So he actually kept it up. It's not an easy language. So, mashallah, so yes. Uh, That's really so good. Very interested in it, yeah. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about Manchester Muslim Prep School. Okay. Um, how long has it been? Is it 1990? Yeah, I said 1993 or 1995. Okay. I think they, had, they were in a different building before that. Sure. And then in so, the coming up to 30 years. Yes, yeah, no, mashallah. Yes. Inshallah. I'm yeah. looking forward to the 30 year celebration. Inshallah. Um, in brief, what is Manchester Muslim Prep School? What is, what is the vision and the aspiration of this school? Mm. You know, it's a, it's a good question. Um, because it's actually hanging here, our aim is to create a caring and warm atmosphere within a pupils can develop their full potential and, you know, teach in the light of uh, the Quran and the Sunnah. And that was, that is the vision from then, the okay. 1990s. And it's still true. You know, a lot of things have changed in a way, but that is just as, uh, I say, it's just like as the religion. It's something I think that is still at the forefront that we try and have this lovely warm atmosphere hope which you have experienced yep. and the children can develop as well as they can within their own abilities and fulfill their potential in a caring environment and that that care comes from is you know comes partly from the religion and you know the warmth of the staff and the commitment they have to the place so the aim is really to give them maybe I quite like the phrase roots and wings. I know it's not part of our mission statement, but <laughs> I like it. It's really to give them roots in their religion, you know, to come in and feel, you know, they don't go home and are 
confused or have lots of questions or why can't I do this or why did we do this and not that. So we give them, I think, a grounding, in, in which is, I think is very important. So they feel, they don't, feel, they don't get confused. That can be maybe a later when they're a little bit older and you can put things into perspective and give them better explanations in terms of other religions, etc. And I think we do that successfully. I think the children are, they do as well as they can do with, you know, with their gifts or their talents, etc. What makes you guys any different than to other um, Muslim primary schools or other primary schools in the area? Other primary schools in the area? Obviously that we are an Islamic faith school. Other Muslim schools, I don't know what's, I've not, you know, not visited them. But I know that from very early on in, in, the, in the 90s, we were always very forward-looking school. Um, we used to take the children on trips so the parents, we had to convince the parents we want to go to see the Jewish Museum. No, they can't go and see it. So we, I think we've always been very forward-looking. said, look, we're, we want to grow young, confident British Muslims yeah. who are ready for the world. And you are aware of what's going on around them. We don't, because otherwise, you, I think we would we would have to question our existence as a, as a as a independent faith school. What is our role if it just you know if they don't know, they can't uh, make judgments on other things or haven't got the good grounding in their own religion. They don't know anything else. What's going on in in, in other schools, etc. So I think that is. That and the strength of the pupil voice <clears throat> within the school, again, I think that is um, something that's really grown. You know, we have a school council, like all the other schools. We have school ambassadors that get out of school. But I think it's really, really, very uh, vibrant. And the children are really aware of it, that they have those rights. And they, they don't, they're not worried or they're not uh, too shy yep. to express their views or say, oh, in fact, as I said to our SMSE coordinator, you might have taken it a bit too far because uh, a young lad who got it himself into a bit of trouble missed his playtime and then he said, well, I've got the right to play. <laughs> United Nations. <laughs> so I said, all right. Um, Tell us a little bit about that because I know when we were talking around, you mentioned it and I said, just hold that thought, we'll talk about it. What is that all about? What, what is this initiative you've got running in the school? UNICEF. Yeah, it's it's not it's in lots of schools, lots of schools in Manchester uh, and maybe throughout the UK. I would, uh, okay, what, it's what a UNICEF is, project. Okay, to make the children aware of their rights. Okay, okay, we have right to education, we have the right, you know, to food and nourishment, to a good environment, etc., etc. So it's raising awareness, and each uh, and to base their responsibilities as well on this awareness of those rights. So each class, for example, has a class charter. Okay, they, they agree upon the beginning of the year, you know, rules, what, what, what's the responsibilities, what the rights. So for instance, everybody has the right to learn. What does that mean for me? That means I can't shout out or I can't bother the person next to me because then I'm infringing on his right to learn. Okay. So it goes, from there, so I think I think it's a great way, really, for the children to uh, to learn and to learn about other children's rights. Like I said, uh, now we have healthy eating week. Uh, we have um, hadith of the week, and the right of the fortnight. So we yeah. focus on one right. We discuss it in assemblies, discuss in the classroom what that means for everyone, and might have you know some activities around it. Like at the moment, we're focusing on health because it's healthy. Uh, eating week. So then uh, you get an award for it. We had the bronze award. Then we were told maybe to involve the children a bit more in the curriculum and making decisions. And somebody comes around and checks what's happening. A little folders, they speak to our ambassadors. <laughs> um, so then we got the silver award. And now, inshallah, I think from next year we're going to try and go for gold. But it's good, it gives a focus. Awesome. And it's a I mean, children's rights, human rights, they're embedded in Islam. Yeah. So there's no difference, it's just like with British values. They're all, you know, embedded in the religion as well. So it's it's a very good uh, way, I think, to teach children. 
Just on that point, I mean, as a school, as, as leading the school, I mean, what is your, what is your strategy, for want of a better word, um, for getting across your Islamic objectives and your values uh, across the school and the, all the various activities that you do? How do, how do you do that? Well, first, the, the biggest uh, input I think that everyone can have is, is modeling. Okay, staff. Right, that we model the children through our interactions with each other and with them. Mm. What we like to see. Sure. Okay. Um, we obviously we are we are they have um, Quran is is very um, has got a very important position in the curriculum. That's from nursery goes all the way up to year six. Islamic studies comparing it. Comparative, compared to other religions as well, for, uh, starting in key stage two, looking at the different religions, different yeah. celebrations. We have a reminder in the morning as part of the staff meeting, which is often, we have a staff briefing in the morning, sure. five minutes, which often has my FR Hadith or an ayah, which teachers then share with their class, I might discuss it. So there's always a focus. So it's just, I would say it's lift, it's lift Islam. Yeah. We prepare little food baskets for the neighbors around Ramadan. Uh, we raise money, we do big fundraising projects uh, for you know, different charities. So I think it's all about, it's just built in. And to, into the whole day, we start obviously like all the other schools. I'm sure we start our days with the du'as. We end the day. We do all the prayers in school that fall into school Alhamdulillah, time. Alhamdulillah, that's good. Alhamdulillah, from key stage two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it's just it's very tangible. Is it? Is it? How satisfying is that feeling to see uh, a child coming in to nursery and working their way up to year six and seeing their Islamic development? And up, it's wonderful, and I think, and for the parents as well, they love it, you know. Yeah. And the nursery children go home, and suddenly when they sneeze, they say Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Say, Where did that come from? So it is, and and the children, as when you speak to them, as well, mashallah. I think in the past we had a lot of our children who left year six. They might have gone to a, a grammar, state grammar, and established Jummah prayer there. Wow. You know, now, mashallah, you know, at this time now it's more established in schools and, you know, things have changed. Yeah. But uh, so that leaves, then then we think, you know, alhamdulillah, we, that's, we've, we've done our, we, done, we did what we could to sort of support them and, and give them that uh, springboard, inshallah. If you'd like to participate in the Murabiyun show, why not get in contact? It's as simple as going to our website, murabiyun.com and filling out this simple form. I, I've said this on other podcasts before, but inshallah, maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll actually do this. But if we were to get one or two of your students to come in and oh. contribute, um, and we were to ask them, what is their school experience like? What would they say? I like to believe that most of them will say, I like coming to school. And actually it's part... When I spoke to you earlier, I said we're having these our breakfast sometimes. With, yeah. uh, we invite them to it's called the head teacher and the executive head teacher breakfast. Yeah. And children's names get pulled randomly. Yeah. To attend the breakfast, which is like croissant and fruit and juice. Very exciting. <laughs> and we have questions for them. Now you could you could you could you could argue and say, well, maybe they won't really tell you what they think. But mashallah, you know, a, a seven-year-old will tell you exactly what they think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the feedback we get there from pupils, as always, you know, they they like they love coming to school. You know, we ask them what did you like about that. You know, when you came back after the lockdown, or I see my friends and my teacher reading me a story, etc. So I think our children, on the whole, I think they're happy to come. Good. Um, I asked. The very same question to my own children who also attended this school. Oh, okay. Uh, not so long ago, I asked my daughter, I won't tell your age, don't worry, Fatima. <laughs> I said, what did you, if you think now back to the prep, what is it that you remember? You know, when you ask her like, 20 years later, she's got her son is here now. Uh, so she said she felt safe 
she and she felt sa- safe and secure. That's can you still? I was still, yeah. These are this is what she fed back to me, and I thought that that's what you want uh, when you send your child to primary school. You want them to feel safe and secure. And looking back, see that's you know like, what's the saying? You can remember how something make made you feel, but not what was said. Yeah. So I think she carried that feeling with her. So I think Alhamdulillah, then you know we've uh, you know we've achieved a lot of our aims. So I think the children would say, but please do come back, <laughs> and I'll promise I will leave the room, and you can ask them yourself. But um, because as well, you know, when children, we if children weren't happy, we in a primary school, you'll also hear them from the parents. They will come back to you and yep. say, "Look, my child is not happy because they they want their child to be happy in school." That is maybe the most important thing for them. And then comes academics and, I don't know, et cetera, et cetera, learning. Because if your child is not happy in school, they're not going to learn anything. Yeah, of course. That's, you know, the huge, uh, the biggest barrier to learning. So I would say if you have children who are really, you know, deeply unhappy, I'm sure I would have parents, you know, give me a nice little knock at the door <laughs> and say, you know, what's going on. But so, so I feel the children are, mashallah, happy here. Alhamdulillah. That's really good to hear. I was just reflecting as you were just saying that, that, when I had the opportunity to ask students myself um, in my time um, about what they want in the school and what the experience is like, why have you? There's no limit. There's no limit. And, and mashallah, it's actually it's actually one for me one of the most uh, the highlights. Just listening to a young person mm. be creative mm. and just tell you, and you're just like gobsmacked, like wow! Mm. Didn't even think you you noticed you noticed or. Mm. Like wow, okay, you know what? I didn't even think we could do that. Yeah. You know, so mashallah, some yeah, it just kind of just teaches you that you know, um, education and just kind of come from anywhere. You know, ideas yeah. and some of the some sometimes it's about speaking to people that actually have um, are just looking at it from a different perspective. Now we're always looking at it as a an educator. What do I want for you? But they're looking at it for what do I want for myself, mm-hmm. you know. And you, if you put yourself in different people's shoes, you see it differently. So, alhamdulillah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the staff at the school. What, what's this? What's your team like? The staff team. Yep. Fantastic with a capital F. <laughs> 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 um, yes, it's very close knit. I think the building helps in that sense as well. You know, the way everything is laid out, we're all very close to each other. So yeah. I think um, lockdown was a real challenge for everyone because we ended up with three staff rooms instead of one because we had to split everybody up into their bubbles, as it was called at the time. Um, but I think the staff, they're very supportive of each other and really want to be here. I don't think they have to drag themselves into work in the morning. Unless, kind of motivated you know, to yes, come in. Yeah, so they are motivated to come in. No, definitely. What do you do? Do you guys ever have any downtime together as, as a team? Yes, mental health and well-being. It's <laughs> very big now, mashallah. What do you, what do you tend to do? Um, so we've done different things. We she, um, we did a quiz, you know, fun quiz, yeah. or you know, find out for our fun facts. Which, no, no, which member of staff can do this? Can live? Oh, okay. I was going to say it wasn't. A, it wasn't a quiz on like uh, keeping children safe in education, was it? <laughs> Thank you. We usually do that in September. Oh, so, okay. Yes, yes. There you go, team. That's what you got to look forward to when you come in your insert yeah, day. Yes. Fun quiz. They've been hiking. You know, in the past years, you are walking together. We've got one of our. Uh, Members of the SLT, she's just done a little qualification to take a, a group of cyclers out. Oh, wow. So, um, ba- done baking contests, you know, bake off. <laughs> uh, Can you invite me to that one so when you come? As a taster, as a taster. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not a as a baker, but as a taster. Yeah, yes, yeah. So, so, yes, there is, you know, we do like those things, alhamdulillah. No, In between. Yeah. I mean, for you, I mean, how, how important. And it sounds like such an obvious question, but how important are the staff to you to to what you're what you're trying to achieve in terms of the kind of aspirations that you have, the ambition that you have for the school and where you want it to be? How important are what kind of staff do you need behind you to to achieve that? No, I mean they're absolutely vital for it. You cannot 
doesn't matter what kind of head you are, you need a team. Mm. And obviously you've got, you've got, you've got your senior leadership team, you've got your subject leads. Everybody has, everyone is a leader in their own area. Yeah. And everybody, alhamdulillah, has maybe expertise in different areas that not everybody else has. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's about finding that, recognizing it. Like you saw one of those posters outside yeah. that were produced in-house. Yeah. Um, so, you know, use the talents of your staff and, and, and their ideas that they, that they bring to the table. I think, mashallah, everybody has some kind of responsibility, like you said, in, in those small schools. Yep. It's usually a very long list of I do this and this and this and this, and I'm also a class teacher. So I think the staff are absolutely essential to it. It's quite... We have a lot of staff turnover that is just the nature of a primary school. Mm. I would have thought where you have a lot of young people joining or they might go off and have a family or get married or move away, etc. So in, in, in that can be a challenge. You have a staff turnover, you know, train them up and maybe yep. they're taken on an area and then they have to leave, no fault of their own. That's just that's part of what. That's just a fact of yeah. of, of a life of of let's say of a small uh, Muslim school. Yeah, and I mean when we do start talking a little bit about Muslim schooling in general, actually, um, maybe that's something we can elaborate a little bit on. Um, I just got one final question on this segment. Actually, um, there's a there's there's a good sizable Muslim community in Manchester, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the general feeling that the community has towards this school? So if I was to ask a, a local um, Mancunian, as they call them, Muslim <laughs> Mancunian, or I was to ask the, somebody at the local masjid, what kind of things would they say about the school? Where does it fit in the community? Good question. I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure I have the answer to that. I know... Um, Quite a few years ago, we found that we are not as known in the community as we thought. And a lot of our new pupils who would come into the schools would have heard it. Maybe were related to somebody who'd been here before or family or extended family, etc., etc. I'd like to think that we have a good reputation in the community. And that they think, oh, mashallah, Manchester Muslim Prep School, how wonderful. But I, I can't answer that question. I don't know what. It's a very difficult. So what does the community feel? Yeah. I don't know. You ask one person and then somebody else, they might give you, you know, differing op- opinions. Obviously, yeah. we are a fee-paying school. So that unfortunately means we're not open to everybody. And in, in terms of size as well, of the yeah. building, et cetera, you know, we have a waiting list. So not everybody who wish to send their child possibly can do. And then some other people might, you know, they might prefer mainstream education because they feel it's less in terms of inter- being integrated etc etc but I, I can't answer the question of what the community would feel we have to check out google reviews possibly <laughs> no problem let's talk a little bit about muslim schools in general okay. you know mashallah across the country there's over i think it was 180 muslim schools um, and there's a real sizable portion up north okay. and um yeah alhamdulillah we we, we aren't as nowhere near as firmly established as um, some of the other faith schools um, yes, across right. the UK. But I mean, what what is an Islamic school? What does it mean for somebody to go to an Islamic school or to work in an Islamic school or to support an Islamic school? What is an Islamic school? Because I'm telling you, most people, I would say most people don't know. Okay. Well, in Islamic school, you, you help to contribute, to help shape our young generation, okay, to become whatever they want to be later on, the leaders of the future, have a good grounding in their religion. I think it's the role of an Islamic school has changed over the years. And even at one point, I myself wasn't sure if there was a place for us still. It was a bit of a crisis in the middle. So I think at the beginning, in the 90s, there wasn't anything like it. Okay, and as I mentioned when we had a little chat before, part of my research at the time was, you know, why do people send their children to an mm. Islamic school? And it was because I didn't, I don't want my child to experience what I had to experience, and 
uh, in my school and I was too shy and embarrassed to talk about our religion. So when this, and I'm sure, I mean, I can't talk on behalf of the trustees, the founders of these schools were still, you know, mashallah, very, a very strong vision. I want to keep pushing, you know, pushing it further and further. I'm sure that was, that was at the root at the time. Say, look, let's give something to, to the Muslim community, which we don't have. And like you said, other faith schools, like the main faith, in the country and other minority face, they already had well-established schools at the time. Mm. And maybe the Muslim community came a bit later. So I think that was its role then to offer something that wasn't any, you know, you couldn't be offered anywhere else. Yep. Then the state schools, I think they became a bit more open at one point. Okay. Yeah. You can do your, you can have your prayer room here. You, uh, they are organized, you know, uh, iftars in Ramadan, in the mainstream schools. So then it's the question, are we still needed? Can they get that? Are they mixing more with different, are we alienating them from main society? You're gonna be this little little group here, this little Muslim school, etc. And then the world changed again and I felt our role became to teach the children what Islam is and what it isn't. Okay. Because then suddenly lots of things were going on in the wilder world. We're not going to go into politics. Um, and there was, so now, I feel really now, our, this is the need for us to be here. We teach our children about Islam. Teach them critical thinking. Okay, within other subjects, even mashallah, our Islamic studies lessons have changed. You know, mm. the way they're presented, you know, there's much more... How do you think they felt, you know, and they lost the battle? What do you think, how do you felt the non-Muslims? How did they feel? We didn't teach you like this before, before we mm. told them this was the battle and this is what happened. So again, I think to bring up now a group of, of young Muslims who really, you know, who have those skills, yeah. have the critical thinking, they know they've learned about Islam from the right, from people who are really well informed and who studied their religion, so when they go out into the wild world, nobody can tell them, well, actually, this is what you need to do because that's what it says in the Quran. Mm. You can say, well, actually, don't take that eye out of perspective. You know, this is how, when it wasn't real, then that's the background to it. Yeah. So I think this, I feel really, this is, this is our role. And then obviously by extension, I'm not going to talk about the other schools, but we do have, as you've seen this morning, Islamic Grammar School for Girls as well. And again, there, you know, it's very, very strong there, you know, to develop these strong young uh, Muslim ladies, inshallah, mm. of the future. Inshallah. So I think I see that as our role, you know, to let them be secure in their religion and know their place in society and, you know, open open doors for them. So inshallah that they, that they can lead, you know, a good righteous life, inshallah. Yeah, and alhamdulillah, and I can... I really like the way that you broke down the purpose of Muslim schools changing. Um, yeah, yeah. And given your journey that you've gone in with this school, you've probably seen that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, no, you've seen it totally. And and yeah. and has that manifested in the curricula changing, the conversations you have with staff, with parents, yes, the way you no, present no, yourself? No, I think it definitely, ha I would say it definitely has changed, yeah, I think. Back to the days when you have four or five children, I think that's how we started, when the school was far too big for us and now it's far too small. Um, so no, definitely, because society has changed generally, not just the, not just the Muslim school. You go to any school, mm. it'll be, it's completely different now. You know, the way yeah. uh, children are taught, the expectations, the way children behave. They're well equipped. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges for Muslim schools going forward? Funding, funding is for, because you want to have the school, our school as an independent school to be as accessible to as many people as possible, which means we try to keep our fees low. On the other end, the fees are the income of the school. Of course. So if that's low, that means the teacher's salaries will be low. Yeah. Or lower than in the mainstream. So I think these are, we're feeling it. These are definitely big challenges, you know, we see when we're recruiting for more staff, um, that that is a challenge to, you know, you already want to say it's not about money, but money does 
doesn't matter. Role. Plays a big role. Doesn't matter. And um, I always joke, I say, you have to be able to afford to work here. <laughs> That's a good because way to put it. Because in, in a sense, it depends on, you know, people's situation, if you're a sole breadwinner or et cetera, et cetera. Um, I know we all like to do it feasibility, but we also have to make a living. So I think that is a real challenge is to, because we want to keep it as open as possible to the community. And at the same hand, we need to look after our staff. So it, it's it's difficult. Uh, that is, I would say that is a challenge. And then obviously it has a knock-on effect on resources, et cetera, et cetera. So. However, I've also heard people say, you know what, stop apologizing. You're actually, what you're bringing out in the children is fantastic. You know, sometimes we forget that. Yeah. They know, right, we... You know, I see, you may or might see the wallpaper is flaking or whatever, something needs to be repaired. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, what, what we do here and how we do it overrides, you know, all those uh, shortcomings. So the beauty is an eye of beholder and I think it's mm. what, what, what we're doing. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the content and watching the show. If you enjoy what you've seen, please press subscribe. It'll really make a big difference. What do you guys tend to uh, tend to do to uh, bring in extra income when you need it occasionally? Any ideas you can share? Yes, have a PTA. Okay. A parent teacher association. Mashallah, they're wonderful. Um, we've always had a very supportive, active PTA. They're very passionate. Obviously, their children are in our schools, so yeah. they, they their heart is in the place as well, and they want us to do well. Did so they, they do a did, lot of fundraising projects. Did yeah. they help with the playground? Or was they that just a, was oh, that just the children? Yes. No, no, no. They did. They did. It was the children who initiated it who said we would like this. Yeah. And then obviously we 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 have PTA meetings. Okay. Maybe now a bit more frequently again. Obviously in lockdown that yeah fizzled out. So though, and the, because I think the parents are very passionate about it. So are we. So are the children. So, mashallah, we've, you know, they've raised money in the past for an iPad uh, trolley. <laughs> they've raised money for the, uh, for the playground. In the past, they, a whole group of them used to come in on a Saturday and do the garden at the back. Oh, wow. Which I didn't have an opportunity to show you that. So they've been, so I think that's, uh, that obviously, obviously that is a good way of raising funds. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. It sounds like you've that. got a really. And they're always very generous. And yeah, we're always, generous. Uh, yeah, yeah, we always really humbled, bunch. you know, by um, by by their generosity. Yeah. So yeah. as we come to the end of the podcast, um, inshallah, many of your colleagues up and down the country will be listening. Um, what's <laughs> Hope the boredom too much? No, I'm sure Marshall, you've done a great job. Um, what's the one single bit of advice that you may give somebody who's leading a Muslim school? Just, I think, always remember what it is about. At the end of the day, we're trying to do something for the dunya, in the dunya, that will go with us into the akhirah. We're trying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, I wish Ofsted knew that. that. It's not just about the intent in Islam, mashallah. The <laughs> niyyah gives you the reward. and It's not just about the impact. Okay, so I think this is, we're here to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think that tawakkul, I'm saying that to myself <laughs> foremost, you know, when things happen, have that, you know, I trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that um, we always say Allah always looks out for our school and we're very desperate, we can't find a member of staff and then suddenly somebody applies and everything starts back into, if, uh, in, into the framework. So I think we're all, I think it's a, it's a privilege to be involved in it and that we have the opportunity because that is more than a job. Like I said, I know people, we have our families, etc. We've got responsibilities. Ultimately, that's what it is. It is more than a job. And it is about, you know, being a servant of Allah and serving the community. I think that's the role. This is, I don't think I could do the job otherwise if that wasn't at the bottom of it because it's not... A, it's not an easy job, let's say, to do. I remember, I, like, like with hijab, 
and say, you know, if you're if you're not convinced of it, you're not a Muslim, it would be very difficult to put that on your head every day. Yeah. So anyway, it's very similar, I think. Uh, it's like I said before, I, I couldn't do this job anywhere else, not knowing because there is a big inshallah, we have you know, we have there is the bigger picture there, inshallah. Inshallah, I pray that Allah accepts it from you Ameen. and all the stuff. Uh, Ameen. Uh, Jazakallah khairi sister for your time. Um, and Jazakallah khairi for the fruits. Um, You're very welcome. You should have some more strawberries. I, uh, I usually do this with a video, but because it's just audio, it means that I can it. talk and I can eat at the same time. So <laughs> alhamdulillah. I hope everybody's enjoyed the conversation as much as I have uh, while I've been eating your lovely strawberries and, um, and grapes and what have you. But uh, Jazakallah khairi sister.